1: What's up you guys? Welcome to the July 11th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Big news today, if you're waking up on the West Coast, you saw that Tim Duncan retired. <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, a lot of questions. Fantasy mailbag time. And with me to go over all that is Brian Knapp. What's up man?
2: How's it going Mike? It's the uh, end of an era in San Antonio.
1: Seriously. Yeah, I, uh, I woke up at like A little bit after 7, and I saw the stuff on my phone, like, oh, (laughs) and uh, yeah, we kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. A very small outlet in San Antonio reported that Duncan was, like, delaying it because of all the horrible stuff that was happening in Dallas, so that kind of gave you a hint that something big was coming, man.
2: Yeah, yeah, the writing's been on the wall for a while here, apparently he was leaning toward retirement. Um, There was some hope that maybe with Powell coming to San Antonio, Duncan would recognize that he could play a smaller role, wouldn't have quite as much pressure to play those minutes. Um but ultimately after you know a very uncharacteristic postseason, um yeah, he's just hanging him up.
1: Yeah, and it's uh the timing is it's it's so perfect for Tim Duncan to go out like this. The Spurs are gonna have a press conference on Tuesday and he won't even be there. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, Like it's gonna be Popovich talking about. I cannot wait to watch that man. Like to get all the behind the scenes stuff with Popovich, and I mean it. they're they're like the best man, the best coach player. I mean, maybe ever player coach relationship. I mean, they both kind of came up together. And um, what like when Duncan answered the phone on draft day, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I heard you're gonna trade me," and, and it's just mm-hmm. the, the Popovich thing, man. Is and I think that. Everyone that uh, is into box scores, and one of the most memorable things of all time is the the did not dress old in the box score Um, Mm -hmm. in March twenty twelve. It was just an epic box score. And what um what do you when you think of Duncan, what do what do you think?
2: I mean, really, just the body of work is what stands out. You could point to individual performances, individual games, um, you know, carrying team after team to the finals, but. Yeah, just just his consistency, his durability over a 19-year career, um, unbelievable stats. He's you know all-time in the NBA is 14th in points scored, sixth in rebounds, fifth in blocks, a lock for the Hall of Fame, and he just did it all. You know, you think of humility, like he's almost his name is synonymous with a humble superstar.
1: Yeah, rookie of the year, 15-time All-Star, two-time MVP, five titles in three different decades. Only two players to do that. Uh, Twelve years with a double double, like it's just third third in regular season wins, second all time playoff wins to Derek Fisher. It's just, I mean, it's going to be a tough time to you know. There's everyone talks about like the next Kobe, the next LeBron, the next Jordan, but I don't think we're. I mean, Tim Duncan was such an awesome teammate, and I think that that point is just driven home by. Him and Kobe going out at the same time. <laughs> like Duncan, mm-hmm. never ever ever had a beef with anyone. Was like the perfect teammate. And SportsCenter had a pretty cool segment with Antonio Daniels talking about how Pop ripped him. And I mean, best player on the team, and Pop was—he said he was quote undressing him—and he just took it like a man. I mean, most and then the other guys were like, all right, this this is how you're supposed to carry yourself. And just such a great teammate. Meanwhile. Uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, getting into fights with Shaq, uh, one of the best big men of all time. Dwight got into it with Gasol. Uh, there's the obvious Smush, Smush Parker beef called for the yeah. worst teammate ever. Kobe yeah, wouldn't say, even talk kid. to him. Uh, um, yep. taking shots at Chris Mim. He's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Pass the ball to Chris Mim. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Kobe, Kobe was an equal opportunity yeah. slanderer when <laughs> yeah. it came to teammates. He didn't care if you're a, you know, uh. Future All Star, a former All Star, or just some scrub who's who's not even getting in the game. Yeah. But but yeah, and you know you compare him to Duncan, who only ever really had a beef with the referees. I mean, he, yeah. he, he wasn't shy about complaining on calls, but otherwise, um, yeah, just what a, what a character guy. You talk about locker room guys, you know, veterans who can come in and help young players, and the, he's the archetype of that. You just can't imagine anyone like him coming around anytime soon.
1: the yeah, best was referees when he was sitting on the bench. I think it was against Dallas when he just got, uh, he got a technical for laughing. Oh, yeah. From <laughs> Crawford. That was such a good one
2: just stares him down yeah like a <laughs> yeah that's his move
1: yeah it's so good the death stare yeah
2: uh but, yes.
1: uh, uh no good no good
2: uh i was gonna say for fantasy purposes yeah, too cut. since uh we should talk to the, talk about that briefly at least he you know i mentioned that consistency and durability he was two years out of 19 seasons was he out of the top 50 um and that includes both per game and cumulative. So that that just speaks to how he, he managed to stay on the court year after year after year, um, defying expectations as he got into his late 30s, consistently beating his ADP on draft day. Um, so, he, I mean, he was just, as, as his owners know, just a stellar asset for year after year.
1: Yeah, we're in this, I was about to go that direction too. <laughs> I was going to say, um, yeah, that, like it was crazy. We all kind of, for fantasy, we've, we all kind of wrote him off, probably like as like an elite guy. I want to say like 2008 or so. And he was only a, a top 10 player uh, just once in the last decade, and per game that is. And that was, interestingly, in the 2012-2013 season. And <laughs> I mean, all of us who do fantasy rankings and stuff, we all had Duncan so low. I mean, I want to say I had him like 75-80. <laughs> and he, yeah, he just went around and, and blew up. Uh, and his MVP season, first MVP season, I mean, it was one of the best stat years of, of all time. I mean, 26 points, 13 boards, 2.5 blocks, 3.7 assists. And, you know, you and I love percentages. 51% from the field, 80% from the line. I mean, that that's just yeah. fantasy right there. Um, you know, we talk about the, the 50-80 uh, percentage club. We, we love that. And then to go with 26, 13, and... And two and a half blocks, it was just, uh, it was awesome, man. Just uh, one of the, it's it's a, I won't really say it's a sad day. We kind of saw it coming, but it just reminds you how awesome Tim Duncan is.
2: Yeah, yeah, as you you mentioned, I mean, it's a little obviously bittersweet for Spurs fans and so forth, but um, people around the league, you just kind of have to step back and admire the career that he had. Um, and it's nice that he's going out on, on top. I mean, they didn't win a championship last year, but he's not, you know, um, he's not broken down physically. He's not... Uh, you know, a shell of his former self, even though he struggled last season. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good time for him to leave, pass the torch to the to the young generation, bring Gasol in to keep that window propped open.
1: Yep. Yeah, his, uh, his minutes were always coming down. They've been dropping every time in the last three years. Um, that knee injury, what, like, um, right around early March, he was just mm-hmm. never really the same playoffs. He just wasn't Tim Duncan in the playoffs, and I think that's kind of what got him. Uh, yeah. Obviously a tough decision, but... I mean he, he has to be um, you know at his best and I think that him going out in the court when he's way past his prime, I think he just knew it was
2: time. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I know we we at some point I got to move on from Duncan, but how yeah. do you think how do you think his decision to retire affects their current roster? Where does that leave the their front court guys?
1: I was looking at that. so minutes lost we have Duncan at 25, David West at 18. And then Boban, 54 games, 9 minutes, no big deal. And then Powell pretty much comes in there and takes most of those minutes. So I don't really see it as much of a net change. I mean, I think Aldridge is still going to be a beast. And um, Jonas and I were on a pod, and he's really down on him. And I was like, all right, I mean, you know, <laughs> late second, early third. I mean, the guy was a first-rounder after the break last, or what, in the past two months of the season. Uh, he was really good. So I think Aldridge is, is going to carry them. And Gasol, too. His minutes should be solid now that he doesn't have to share with Duncan.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, Gasol soaks up most of that. They brought in Deadman to kind of just clean up, mop up any extra minutes at center. Uh, question for me is who's going to back up the power forward spot? I guess they could, you know, Pop could work his rotational magic and get Kawhi in there as a, as a reserve um, with the second unit. And... Kyle Anderson maybe could play some power forward. He's undersized, but they they did it for short stretches last season. Um, But I'm not too worried about that because Aldridge is still young enough. He can handle a big load. And I guess I side more with you than Jonas here. I I think Aldridge is going to have a very good year. Um, It helps that last season... With Duncan on the court with him, he shot 49.6%. When Duncan was sitting, he shot 53%. Nice. Um, not entirely sure how to how to justify that, but I, I would assume it's just because uh, Duncan wasn't exactly spreading the court, wasn't much of a threat, kind of cl- crowded up the block. Uh, Gasol's a better passer, should create more space. So I'm assuming that in Duncan's absence bring in Gasol, that should only help Aldridge. Um, and you mentioned how good he was the last couple months of the season. So, yeah, I think he's set up for a very good very good season.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, part of those splits are because Duncan's playing time dropped off a little bit. So maybe while Aldridge was heating up, I think that maybe that is why that's that's So, I mean, that's a big, big gap. So yeah. I, think that, I think probably take half of that into account. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Gasol, like you said, um, Gasol is an awesome passer. So... Uh, yeah, good stuff. Anything? We had a question on slow-mo coming up, so we'll talk a little bit about that. I got some stats there. But anything else you want to add on, Duncan, before we kind of get into the, um, the fantasy questions and stuff?
2: Uh, no, we could jump to slow-mo or anywhere else you want.
1: Yeah, let's get the slow-mo question. Uh, so this one's from Scott Hutton. He's asking, how long before slow-mo becomes fantasy relevant? And like you said, they did at times, and this was pretty much when they were resting guys, play the Kawhi Anderson combo but it was very rare so I don't know if he's a a big beneficiary but like you said you gotta take what you got I mean if you don't have the depth there you gotta think outside the box and kinda go down some new avenues so I think that they're open to that I don't think I'm putting slow-mo fantasy relevant now for maybe even 14 teams but then again maybe pop does change it so like 16 team I'll take a flyer on because this guy could be a pretty good stack guy I mean he's Mr. summer league MVP last year so, yeah, um, not yet. It's just that he plays the same position as Kawhi, and that's just a huge, huge roadblock.
2: Yeah, um, same same argument here. Um, it's just that with Kawhi there, you know, Anderson maybe could could pick up a couple minutes at uh, shooting guard, but he shot 32% from downtown last season after 27% as a rookie. So, it, I mean, his perimeter shots still a work in progress. Um, even if his minutes creep up to 22, 24 per game, I just don't see that being enough for him to crack 14 team leagues.
1: Yeah, but you're pretty much with me like 16 team just in case
2: Pop gets a little crazy. Yeah, I'm with that cuz they don't have too much depth at forward so they they need him there. Uh shooting guard is crowded so I don't see him getting minutes there. So it's going to be backup small forward, maybe some minutes at power forward if you know, if the Spurs don't add any more players there. Um but even in that scenario, you know, per 36 minutes last game or last season he averaged 10 points. 0.4 three pointers, seven boards, 3.6 assists, 1.7 steals, 0.8 blocks. So, pretty good numbers, but he's not going to come anywhere near 36 minutes. So, you know, you, yeah. you take that 12 minute discount, and suddenly, yeah, I think 16 teams are about as good as you're going to get.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to be, if Kawhi gets hurt, we'll probably all be running to the wire. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they, only, they only played 308 minutes together last year, so it's not going to be. Um, a, a very big thing from them. And then he also, when he played next to Kawhi, he had a 12.2 usage. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and, uh, and he wasn't even that good. His stat, his stat was only, um, 50, 52% true shooting is, is okay. But, uh, yeah, nothing nothing too eye-popping there. So, let's,
2: let's, anything else? No. Okay.
1: So, uh, a very, and we talk about this a lot, and if you are into Summer League and stuff, I do a lot of Summer League podcasts, so, like, plug that real quick. Just You should, Hop on! Uh, I'm obsessed. Um, but a good question here from my new hate. Um, he's asking for best rookies in nine cat outside of the top ten. So he's asking for best rookie. So do you have one guy that stands out, or do we, we want to kind of go over a few guys?
2: Um, we can go over as many guys as you want. I, <laughs> the guy who came to mind for me immediately for this season uh, would be the Bulls Denzel Valentine. I think he's ready to play. He's gonna fill a significant role in the second unit we've talked about him i think a couple weeks ago in the pod but um yeah he can hit three pointers even though he hasn't been in summer league uh he can get assists so yeah i would start with him for this season
1: yep first guy that came to mind for me as well um like you said a little bit of everything you like you really hate to see guys with high turn and if you play nine cat high turnovers of percentages are huge for rookies um that's why Emmanuel Mudiay wasn't even worth owning uh, just because stuff like that. Obviously, he's the extreme. But yeah, I thought Valentine was, um, was a key one. Uh, another guy, I, the Thunder intrigued me. Because I could see them kind of selling guys off. So I put Demontis Sabonis on my list. Um, obviously not going very far at number 11. But solid percentages. Does a little bit of everything. I, I could see him being um, a sneaky pickup if they unload Cantor and all those guys. I don't think Adams is going anywhere. So, But nice floor. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, I, I like him well enough. I haven't really seen him play enough to kind of f- figure out where he might fit into this, especially if the Thunder are comfortable playing Cantor or power forward alongside Adams. Um, but yeah, guy to keep an eye on. I also like uh, the Nets' Karis Levert. He dropped in the draft because of severe and repeated injury concerns. But if he can stay healthy, he's got an interesting tool bag and um, could play minutes at Maybe point guard could get some shooting guard minutes, so uh, he's another guy to watch. And uh, dipping into the second round, uh, I would mention, uh, Cheek Diallo at Summer League has just been phenomenal, including a great game last night.
1: Yeah, you could, uh, I will endorse that Chuck, uh, for sure. Uh, what? Um, he's, yeah, he looked great, and I, I was impressed by his defense. He's quick. I mean, for a guy his size, great shot blocking capabilities yep. for sure. But he was out in the perimeter, really switching on the pick and roll and stuff. I was like, hey, man, this guy, I mean, we we do not like the Pelican big men at all. And they're not very durable either. So, you know, a couple mm-hmm. things could happen uh, where we see this guy come in and he gets off the floor really nicely. So, yeah, I, I wrote him down for sure. Um, another guy um, who's impressed me second round. Well, I guess to round out the first round. I thought Pascal Sakaim, I think I pronounced that right. Uh, he's on my list. We know that the two pat issue is, and they're going to play him pretty much at straight four, which they've been doing so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's on my radar. Good shot, Walker. Decent floor. So he's on the radar for me. Uh, I like Levert also quite a bit. Uh, by the same token, nine cat. I think Isaiah Whitehead's basically like a Moutier guy, so I don't really like him. But I think we may talk about him if Lynn gets hurt for DFS and stuff. Um, second round. I really like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. He's handling the ball a ton. We know. I mean, they're talking about starting Matthew Dellavedova Vadova in, in <laughs> Milwaukee. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Brogdon get in there, get some minutes. I mean, they're really thin on the wing. Rashad Vaughn has not look good at all. So I could see Brogdon, he may have already hopped Rashad Vaughn for minutes at the two. Um, and then I also like Damian Jones, too. If I mean, the Warriors are pretty thin. Zaza is not durable at all, but keep in mind Jones is in a—he has a sling on right now, so he's not even close. He's supposed to miss part of the season. So those are some names for me.
2: Yeah, all—all all good guys.
1: Anybody else that you can think of?
2: Not particularly. No one that really jumps out at the moment. Um, Bryce Johnson, yeah, maybe I,
1: if uh, if Blake gets hurt. Say, say again. Bryce Johnson, if Blake gets hurt, I think he was kind of up and down. Very—he was either really, really bad. Or pretty good in some, he had two horrible, horrible games.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of guys where you could talk about if so and so goes down, then maybe this guy can step up. Um, Another guy I think you and I both like, Tyler Ulis, is looking real good for the Suns, but they just have such a logjam in the backcourt. It's tough to see him with Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight. You know, just uh, they brought Barbosa in, there's too much veteran competition there for him.
1: Did you get a look at Ivanka Zubach at all for the Lakers? He looked pretty good. First game, it looked really good. Second game, kind of came back to earth a little bit.
2: I have not actually. I think you're far more in tune with the summer oh, leagues I than I am. I, I look at it as a penance that I have to yeah. do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't get to. I don't watch like any college, so this is kind of my my way to figure yeah, out. I, I, and see what see what kind of see what kind of game they have and stuff. Um, so yeah, I like him. Uh, I think Patrick McCaw, maybe if uh, the Warriors lose some depth. Steven Zimmerman, too, another guy. But you're going to need Vooch to get traded or uh, Biombo to get hurt. I mean, a lot of stuff has to happen for him. Good block rate. Can play some four, too. They played him at the four quite a bit uh, for a seven-footer. So I think he's Mm. um, on the radar for me. Um, what about, and, what
2: about uh, Yang for the Pacers? What have you seen? In I other? like him. Uh, yeah. I, I think Same he mirror. may get
1: in the minutes, man. Um, you know, nice floor with the percentages. The, the good passer, decent rebound, shoots the three a little bit. So um, yeah, and really, really nice. Uh, could be a, a second round super steal if uh, George or Thad get hurt. You love that he plays two positions.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll even say uh, another deep cut here. I saw him for the first time really in, in full game action last night. Is uh, Abdel Nader. Nice. was looking very impressive last night. Um, I don't even know that he's going to make the roster, but yeah. he's an he, interesting uh, talent.
1: Yeah, he had a really nice blow-by on Bender on the wing. He, I mean, it was a blow-by. <laughs> Probably yeah. one of the yep. biggest blow-bys of, of Summer League. Uh, yeah, right he's
2: got winners. a 7-foot wingspan, but you, yeah, you mentioned. I mean, he was quick prospect down the road.
1: Yeah, run the floor a lot of good stuff from him. Uh, do you, have you seen Kay Felder at all? Uh, no. Oh, he is a treat, man. He's a yeah? small okay. shortest guy in the draft. Total lightning rod. he's like he's like Uless, but more aggressive. Um, huh. where he, you know penetrates and kind of wiggles his way in, but he 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 had a dunk. Uh, he had his dunks he has um, a block in transition that was really nice. I mean, he's he's pretty impressive stuff. So definitely check him out. Um if you want to uh, see a kind of a, a fun guy, a lot of a lot of the smaller guys are I'm enjoying. I mean, uh, Russ Smith has been fun to watch. Yeah, that's kind of a nice little thing for summer league. Um, yeah. He's not outside the top ten, but while you're here, have you got a look at Thon Maker? I think he kind of stole the show yesterday.
2: Oh yeah, he's been, he's been unbelievable. Um, much more polished than I thought he was going to be. He just he looks comfortable out there, um, using that athletics uh, athleticism and length to great effect.
1: I mean, seventeen, seventeen. The shot blocking's good, pretty good on the perimeter. A lot of stuff to like about him. He's creeping up, man. We'll see if the if the Bucks unload Monroe. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be on the radar.
2: Yeah, as a rookie, I don't know that I'd reach for him necessarily on draft day. Right. Um, The the boards are impressive. He's getting pretty high usage in Summer League, uh, 29 shots in two games. He's only shooting 41%, but that could come up uh, two blocks per game. It's a small sample, but what we've seen has been nothing but impressive. So, yeah, definitely got to keep an eye on, especially if that Monroe trade ends up happening. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty
1: much it for guys that are on my radar now. um, I like DeJounte Murray. I've seen what I've seen out of him, but, like, again, the Moody A factor, where the turnovers are just going to be way, way too much in 9-cat. Uh, So I'm good to move on if you are. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this is kind of tied into it, and we'll kind of do it kind of just generally. Uh, David Sun asking, uh, what summer league performances can we take notice as real indicators of what players produce uh, statistically? And I'm going to tie that in with this question from Tony Hollis, uh, who has impressed you the most. So we can go in. We'll talk top ten here um, in summer league, and I guess why. So if you want to go first on that one.
2: Uh, sorry, so who's so basically, the best basically, in summer league and yeah. which performances are like legit, kind of?
1: Yeah, like, basically, <clears throat> who in the top ten do you like from summer league and why, I guess, to kind of tie them together.
2: Okay. Um, well, we just kind of discussed Thoughtmaker, so don't really have to hit him too much, yeah. but he's a bouncy athlete, can create havoc on both ends, so he, he'd be up there. Um, Jonathan Simmons and Kyle Anderson have both looked really good for the Spurs. Uh, we talked about slow-mo already, but Jonathan Simmons has been... Very impressive uh, scoring with ease. A couple games, he could have been even a lot bigger if he'd gotten the playing time. Another guy, it's just hard to see where he's going to get his minutes this season. Um, Cameron Payne looked really good in Orlando. Averaged 18.8 points, uh, more than four boards, four assists, one and a half steals. Uh, Very aggressive, so that's a great sign because he, he projects as the primary backup for Westbrook this year. So I like him, and I think that that was a... A pretty legitimate performance that uh bodes well for what he'll do in limited minutes during the regular season um so i have a couple more but why don't you jump in you have any any yeah, guys
1: number one out? guy by a mile from me is chris dunn uh i am falling in love with this guy man um uh-huh. I
2: mean,
1: his his skill set is just ridiculous i mean and game one of just like all right he's killing guys on on single coverage and then <laughs> yesterday on sunday they trapped him like the whole game, doubled him almost the whole game, and he still was splitting screens and like it was just like, dude, what can't this guy do? Yeah, uh, his, his, at the rim, uh, crazy athleticism, and I mean, not a great shooter, but he's going to get you a lot of steals. He's going to get you some points. He's going to get you some assists. I mean, if Rube, I mean, and they're playing with the two, so I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if people talk about the Rubio thing. Levine, man, I mean, Levine's not a great defender. I could see him getting into uh, Thibodeau's doghouse and playing Dunn. I mean, he uh, he did a great job on Norman Powell at times, but Powell, uh, Powell kind of got the better of him late. But I like, I love Chris Dunn.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he's been phenomenal. Uh, all those highlight reel kind of dribble drive moves. His ability, as you mentioned, he was splitting traps, um, but what really stands out to me is his defense. He's a terrific defender. Uh, he said he models his game after Gary Payton, which is a pretty lofty goal. But yeah, he's already got the physical tools, which is going to endear him to Tom Thibodeau. So th- my only question is, can he improve his shooting to the point where you can pair him with Rubio in a backcourt? Because that's... You know, that shooting combination already having Rubio creates problems for for the Wolves' spacing. Uh, If you have another guy who can't hit three pointers consistently, that's going to be a tough sell for me. So I agree with you. I think that he, you know, his physicality, his defense, his playmaking, uh, ability to to attack the basket, all of that bodes well and could fit alongside Rubio. But I think you're going to need to have an uptick in the perimeter shooting.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's and I think there's so much pressure on Wiggins right now. I mean, he's hit 40% after the break and from three. Uh, not a great volume, but, I mean, if I'm Wiggins, I am spending eight hours a day shooting threes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's going to be such a huge, huge part of their offense because uh, Dunn, like you said, he's, uh, he had a couple really nice step-backs, and he's not really doing a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. So we haven't really got too good of a barometer on that. But, yeah, the, the book on him in Providence, is that's, a, that's his weakness. But, I mean, compared to the strengths, it's a, a, a wide margin. Um, who else has been you – know, I mean, we'll talk about Simmons in a minute, but what do you um, think of Buddy Heald yesterday?
2: Uh, it was good. It was nice to see him. He started out really poor, but uh, in the fourth quarter, he th- he hit four three pointers. I think they're all they were consecutive. I think so. Yeah, uh, and that was the kind of breakout moment you needed. I mean, it's it's understandable. You're a young guy uh you know facing a spotlight people are going to pick apart everything you do on the court so i feel like he just had some jitters he was missing shots he would usually make um someone on twitter i forget who it was went back and found that he only had one stretch uh in college two game stretch that was as bad as his two games he's had shooting the ball in summer league yeah. so it's it's an aberration um and, when, man, when he gets hot, it's fun to watch. Uh, you just feel like he's going to catch it and it's going to go in. Yeah. Uh, doesn't do much more than that right now. So I, I don't see him as more than a three-point specialist for fantasy. But he's going to get opportunities right off the bat. And, yeah, I like him to fill it up from three-pointers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone else uh, top ten. I mean, Jalen Brown's been pretty bad. Uh, Dragan Bender's so raw. Um, you can see that. And he's going to play a lot of three, it looks like, which is pretty crazy for a seven-footer. Um, mm-hmm. He was talking about that uh, on the starters afterwards. Um, Jamal Murray's been a disaster so far. Uh, a guy I was excited for, Marquise Chris, another guy really raw, insane rebounder. I think he's going to have some some plenty of put back dunks. And then Jakob Pertl, um a little bit of hit and miss, just to kind of round up the top ten. Anything you want to add yeah. on there before we get to this? No,
2: I, at the top of this little segment, I did not realize that we were talking about the top ten uh, oh, rookies, which is why I started launching into other guys. Oh, no, that's good. That um, let me but, uh, yeah, Marquis Chris, since you brought him up, he he was frenetic last night on both ends, all over the place, just crashing into bodies, and he took he took a bloody nose at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, just far more physical than I expected out of him. Uh, his athleticism is really impressive. Had some good put-back dunks. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like him as a guy to watch. If I were going to take uh, one of the Suns power forwards as a kind of sleeper flyer pick in deep leagues, it would probably be Chris over Bender right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's not even close for me. And then, uh, actually, we should just touch on this really quick. Um, Ryan McDonough, the GM, was on, and he was dropping a lot of nuggets last night about outlooks, talking about Bledsoe being ready for 5-on-5 five five and how they're trying to hold him back just to be careful. Um, but the big nugget was that uh, Jared Dudley is quote-unquote most likely to start because they want that spacing out there for Bledsoe and Knight. Um, and yeah, and I think you could kind of give a hint that they want to see Booker play some three. So, I mean, that's, that's a crazy lineup. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Len and Chandler if you go with a Knight, right. uh, Booker, Bledsoe, Dudley, and Big man lineup. would be crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to hear him kind of confirm, essentially, from a GM that Jared Dudley is going to start a power forward, um, which is just another reason to kind of be down on Chris and Bender for fantasy purposes this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, they have an interesting lineup. They can go a lot of different directions. They have some flexibility. As you mentioned, if Booker's able to play some small forward, that just gives them a whole different look. Yep.
1: All right. So we can move on here. Um, slipping into a A different, kind of more specific question from Scott Hutton asking, does George Hill's signing in Utah have an impact on Dante Exum's value? I guess we'll take this more of a dynasty standpoint because I don't really know anyone, even in a 20-team league, that would be drafting Dante Exum after a very quiet rookie season coming off an ACL injury. So what do you think kind of long-term?
2: I don't think so, no. I think all it does is give... Utah, an established point guard who can run their offense, um, and allows Exum to develop at his own pace. Um, you know, coming off a lost season, he was up and down in his rookie year, kind of a disappointment. So I don't think you would want to just hand him the reins of the offense and all, that, all the pressure that comes with it. So, no, if anything, I think it's fine. If you're a dynasty owner, you're probably not expecting much from Exum this year anyway. So why not allow him to develop with a, a veteran who can show him the ropes? Um, and hopefully he's in a position to succeed two years from now, three years from now.
1: Yeah, if you want to see him hit threes off the bench, I think that's kind of the thing I'm watching for this year. That was really missing from his, uh, his game in his rookie season. I think the defense is ahead for considering how raw he is. But yeah, I mean Hill's going to be a free agent after this year, so we'll see if Exum could make a charge and kind of get things going after that huge, huge year for him off the bench. Uh, so Ben Simmons, uh, DB Feld asking in year one, where do you see uh, Ben Simmons ADP? And I'm pretty sure you and I are going to be in agreement that we're not going to pay that price.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, Wait, is this in year one as in now or in one year? As uh, no, as in I think next year. Uh,
1: I interpret it as. Um, The first season, like, I don't know. Or we could talk about both.
2: (laughs) Okay. But either way, I think people are going to overpay for him. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about him before. And despite his transcendent skill set, 6'10", passes like a point guard, just incredible court vision. Uh, If he gets you in isolation, he gets just bloodlust in his eyes and he's going to score on you. Hmm. Um, But yeah... You know, last night he showed some mid range jumpers. That was great to see. We'll see if uh, he can keep that going because teams are going to sag off him. His jumper's a work in progress. Looks pretty awkward. Um, Doesn't move well without the ball right now. Uh, That could change. You know, you go through training camp and coaches drill it into you. He's a smart guy, he could fix that quickly. But. A big problem for fantasy is he's going to have a lot of turnovers because the ball is going to be in his hands all the time. Um, His physical attacking style gets him to the free throw line a lot, but he shot under 70% in college. Um, So a lot of of kind of red flags for fantasy value, if not in reality.
1: Yeah, ADP-wise, year one, it's probably going to be high, man. I mean, coming off what Towns did, I think a lot of people are going to chase that. Uh, So I think his ADP will probably be fourth or fifth. I mean, maybe yeah, six. Yeah. No way. I mean, I, I'm probably not even paying eighth or ninth or tenth um, yeah. for the reasons you cited. So, I mean, he's not going to get any three-pointers. Um, his turnovers are going to be ridiculously high. And and actually, um, we talked about this last time, and you and I were a little bit different on field goal percentage. Are you starting to kind of come over to my side where you think he's going to kind of hurt you a little bit?
2: I Yeah, maybe, just because I don't think he's going to have it. As much success, I think you mentioned the first time we talked about it, He like something like 70% of his buckets came uh, in the restricted 75. area. Yeah, that's just crazy, and that's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Teams know what he's trying to do. They're going to load up against him. So yeah, I, I think he'll be kind of neutral for field goal percentage. Maybe hurt you a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm backing off the, <laughs> it, the idea that he'll help you in that category.
1: And our guy Ed I- Isaacson was saying forty two percent was what he was <laughs> expecting. Is that right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We were talking. I was talking. He's he doesn't like Simmons for some reason. Um uh, wow. okay. I mean, I'm sure. Like, compared to, I guess people who really are into college and stuff, he just seems to be kind of on the low end. He's he didn't he thought Ingram should have went one and all that stuff. Uh, all right. But yeah, I think we're going to talk about him a lot in DFS though.
2: Yeah, for sure. Just because he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time, and counting stats are all that really matter there. So yeah. why not? Um, but I'm with you. I had, a, in terms of the ADP, which is what the question was. Uh, I had top 50 this year, which again isn't what I think he's going to be worth. It's what uh, where he's going to be drafted. Right. Um, and then next year, just for fun, I projected that he'll be top 30 because, you know, he'll show some proficiency. Maybe he'll knock down a couple three pointers late in the season, and people will get all excited.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it'll probably be pretty much the same. Like People will be like, "Oh, he's going to be great this year. Then they'll be disappointed in him. Yeah. Kind of have it offset. Uh, Okay, so let's hit a couple questions here quickly. We've talked about this one kind of ad nauseum here um, before we get to the crazy question. Talk about some Westbrook from JYP. A couple questions asking, how high would you draft Westbrook in a nine cat? Um, I'll go first. You're, You're pretty much looking at... He's in that two to five range. I mean, you're looking at KD and harden and westbrook it all depends on how you view turnovers i mean dfs is going to be the most valuable player in dfs i I don't think it's pretty obvious um so yeah it just depends on how you want to play it
2: uh yeah i i I basically the two to five range makes sense i put him at number four behind steph durant Kawhi. uh you could throw harden in there um which bumps westbrook to five in eight cat, he obviously you know it's a different story. When you throw those turnovers out, you could consider him at number three. Um, but yeah, I, I like him at four or five.
1: Even yeah, I think I think three he'd be locked in there. I don't I don't know how I feel about Kawhi. How do you, we didn't talk about him really with Duncan? Do you see him being affected at all or no?
2: No, I don't really. Yeah, um, with
1: Gasol coming in, yeah,
2: yeah, and Gasol's passing ability and Kawhi's just continuing development. I think he's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, I'm concerned when, about. Sorry, go ahead. When,
2: no, one thing I wanted to note on Westbrook before we move on is uh, he had, without Durant on the court last season, he had a 39% usage, which we've talked about. He also had a 1.6 FanDuel points per minute, which is which is like just unbelievable. I think he led the league last year uh, at 1.2, so he jumped 0. 0.4 points per minute in FanDuel without Durant. So keep that in mind if you're playing DFS this year.
1: So hypothetically, if he plays 37 minutes a game at 1.6 per you're talking about 59 fantasy points a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not like, bad. Yeah, so you'll pay that uh that $12,000 price tag gladly.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: he's going to What do you think he'll be at? Like, do you think he'll be $13,000 some nights?
2: I think he could hit that. Yeah, especially if he starts out at the sort of level that we expect him to play. Um yeah, I you know, his price is just going to keep going up. So that's why I'm going to target him aggressively early in the season before the inevitable, you know, rise into the stratosphere.
1: Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Uh, so we, we t- we'll talk about him again for sure. And another thing we're going to talk about pretty much all off-season slash summer, whatever you want to call it, is sleepers. So JYP also asking, favorite sleepers early in the game? So I don't have, like, my guys, quote-unquote. Um, what about you? Is there anyone you're kind of keying on? Maybe Because we don't really know what the ADPs are yet, so it's kind of tough to say what the sleepers are right now.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, no, I haven't really you know, begun the draft prep research and all that good stuff to really lock in on them, but I'd mention some guys who are probably going to be undervalued, which would be, uh, I'll start with Kemp Bazemore. Um, top 70 last season and just under 28 minutes per game. Uh, they locked him up. To a pretty big deal this summer uh, Doesn't hurt you anywhere Gets threes and steals um, So I'd list him Very similar to him actually is Jake Crowder Another guy who had a terrific season I mean top 40 this year But I don't think he has that kind of name brand recognition That will cause people to draft him In the fourth round So I'll be stealing him time after time there If he falls um, Tobias Harris is also in that kind of range uh, Guys who might be a little lower Rondé Hollis-Jefferson like him on a Nets team that really needs help on the wings, um, Dwight Powell could pick it up. So I'll stop there and throw it to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had I didn't write those guys down. I think those guys are going to go earlier. I think I think all those guys, the the Tobiases, I think they'll all be before sixty. You don't think you think that people let them slide I a little ju- bit to the?
2: Yeah, like I I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading the room wrong, but I think uh, Bazemore uh-huh. could, could could slide yeah, out of. For sure. Um, yeah, more Harris, I if I could get him in the 60 to 70 range, I think that's a steal. So
1: Yeah, I think um, Baysmore is going to have more ball handling responsibility. He ran a lot of kind of on-ball stuff earlier in his career. We saw him with the Lakers do that a lot. So, I mean, you pay that guy $70 million, um, and you yeah. play p- perimeter, you better handle the ball a little bit. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely on board with those guys. Yeah. Um, uh, I wrote down Ronde. Uh, I mean, the Steels are going to build his value so, so much. Um, I think that the Knicks whiffing on Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson is absolutely huge for his fantasy value. So I think he's a guy that I'll be pouncing on in that low hundreds kind of range. Yeah. Um, I love Miles Turner. I mean, the, the Pacers get um, Al Jefferson coming in, but I don't think that even affects him whatsoever. I expect Turner to start, get a ton of blocks, maybe get two blocks a game, good percentages. Decent, you know, seven, eight boards a game. I see him in an up-tempo system. I could see him being pretty good. Uh, I put down Otto Porter, guy coming in hurt. I mean, Scott Brooks likes him. They have Kelly Oubre playing well in the summer league, so I see him sliding a little bit. Uh, had some injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Demari Carroll kind of by the same token. Hurt a lot. What, he was a top 50 player last year with Atlanta. Um, you know, really nice fantasy floor, so I could see him kind of creeping up. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I think, I can't really call him a sleeper, but I want to see what he'll do. I don't think I'm going to draft him because I think too many people will be caught up with him. Josh Richardson, uh, I wrote down Marcus Smart in hopes that he could shoot maybe 43%. Um, but I think the steals are going to be huge. Uh, I see Drew as a Drew Holiday, another guy who's going to slide and he could be awesome when he's on. And then my, probably my favorite sleeper, uh, that I like is Trey Lyles, um, I don't know. I just love what are, what they're doing in summer league. Love what he did in April. Uh, he's going to take a ton of threes uh, in that second unit. Uh, Rudy Gobert's been injury prone a little bit lately with that knee injury. Derek Favors has a bad back, bad knee. He gets hurt a lot, so a lot of pass to minutes for a guy who could even play some three if they really want him to. Um, so I, I love the versatility from that guy.
2: Nice. Yeah, Lyles is definitely one who should be on everyone's sleeper list. Uh, finished the season strong last year. I mean, he had a couple. He had a twenty-point game right towards the end of the season. Uh, he ended the season with a double-double, five steals, and two three-pointers. Um, so, just kind of showing you his, his versatility. And if that three-point range really does prove to to be a, you know, a weapon for him this year, which I think they're just going to let him fire away from the perimeter. Um, he shot thirty-eight percent last year from down there, and that's huge for a big man. So, uh, throwing solid rebounds, scoring percentages. Uh, you know, his field goal percentage wasn't great last year, but hopefully he could bring that up. Um, definitely a good guy to target in the late rounds, yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah, we'll obviously, to pimp the draft guide, we'll have all this stuff kind of sorted out and more organized. We just kind of threw it together here. So, wrapping up, uh, just a, another couple quick questions here. Just one question actually left. Danny's asking, we talk about uh, Unibrow with uh, Anthony Davis, who we had right around the, at the turn, I want to say, for, for season long redraft leagues. So Dynasty, I mean, he's still so, so young. I mean, what do you what do you see with Brow on a Dynasty factor?
2: Yeah, the, the injuries have obviously scared a lot of people reasonably. Um, but he's still he's going to be 23 years old this season. He's uh, been a top five guy in 9-cat each of the past three seasons. Um, even with games included, he was 17th last year, second the year before, sixth the year before that. So, you know, you talk about a guy who's 23, hopefully the, the uh, surgery will address his chronic shoulder problem, which was really the root of it. Um, so I think he's top five for me. I, I would put, uh, see if you agree with this, but I, I'd have Steph, Kawhi, Kat, maybe KD, and Davis in my top five.
1: Yeah, I'm right there. I think I would probably put it identical, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, hit when he was, I think he was number one in 9 cat per game um, that is two seasons ago. And, yeah, uh, nine cat, right? Yeah, I, I mean, he's second was, and eight cat. Yep. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And yeah, um, Alvin Gentry talked a lot about increasing his usage, his pace, uh, adding more to his low post game. I mean, this isn't surprising for uh, a coach to pimp his franchise player. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's just we just have to hope he stays healthy, man. You hope he's not uh, just hurt all the time. But I mean, he's again, he's going to play a long, long time. His skill set, no matter what trend the NBA goes into. Uh, he's going to be awesome, and hopefully they can play. I mean, just I mean, even with Check Dial, maybe he, he they could pair together, take some pressure off him down low.
2: Yeah, it's quite possible. And I mean, you talk about a guy last season, you, you mentioned uh, Gentry kind of pimping his franchise guy, <laughs> but he came into last season saying, hey, we're going to let him fire away from downtown. And sure enough, he averaged point six threes per per game. Not huge, but it's, you know, that's the first step towards averaging one a game, which would be enormous for a guy who's already blocking two plus shots. Approaching one and a half steals, you know averaging a double double with twenty something points uh just kind of like duncan he's his career stats are right around fifty percent shooting north of that, even uh almost eighty percent from the line, and turnovers are almost non existent. He had two per game last year, which was the most in his career, so just just a complete nine cat stud uh, with the three pointers increasing. All it's going to take is him to stay healthy, and he could be a top three uh, franchise guy. He could be, you know, even higher. It's it's, a, uh, it's just an unbelievable upside. So I don't think the injury for me is enough to, to knock him out of the top five.
1: Yeah, Towns kind of took his thunder, huh? <laughs> we were he always, did. It was like, oh, Anthony Davis, he's the best. You know, la- this time last year, like, oh, Davis, yeah, <laughs> yep. best contract ever with the 125, uh, and now it's like, oh, currently, Towns is there. <laughs> Kentucky boys.
2: Yeah, he definitely cast some shade on Davis, but it's it's crazy how quickly, not that we forget, but just how quickly the, that incredible upside gets kind of uh, uh, un- undersold.
1: Yeah. All right, so we'll get out of here on that. Anything else you want to add? Anything you got cooking? Or
2: uh, Nope, I might do. I know you're uh, probably rolling out more Summer League pods. I might end up doing a kind of recap of the best performers, the biggest disappointments, uh maybe a couple of days from now, a week from now.
1: Nice. We should uh, get – I'm going to write some stuff too, so we'll get together on that. And, um, yeah, I'll be doing more Summer League pods and stuff. And I love talking Summer League. Now. Probably yeah. more about Sounds talking – uh, I probably like talking about Summer League more than they <laughs> <laughs> Really? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we're out of here on that. Thanks for listening, and thanks for coming on, Ryan.
2: You got it. See you, Mike.